Exploring Mormon Thought features discussions about Mormon doctrine and theology that correlate with topics in the book series of the same name written by scholar and theologian Blake Osler. Find us online at exploringmormonthought.com and facebook.com forward slash exploringmormonthought. All right, welcome back to Exploring Mormon Thought. We've been talking about the concept of the mother in heaven in LDS thought and the different strains of thought and how we arrive to that. And then I gave an argument how we arrive at that through different sources and then kind of an argument against that. And then I had a long discussion with my dad about his thoughts on Heavenly Mother and his reasons for believing the way that he does. And as promised, I wanted to bring my sister on, Karina Heilner, because obviously we need a female perspective if we're talking about a female deity and you know, to men sitting around talking about how we can't understand women is not really going to provide the insights that are necessary into the wider view of this among people of the church and just women in general. So with that, I wanted to introduce my sister, Krina Heilner, and I guess go ahead and tell us a little bit about who you are and kind of your background. Okay, my name is Krina Heilner. Like my brother said, I've been married for almost 18 years. To my husband, we were married in the Salt Lake LDS Temple in December of 2001. We have five children, ages 16, 14, 10, 7, and 4. So I've been a stay-at-home mom since my first child was born. I graduated from BYU with a bachelor's degree in psychology. I don't know, I run in my spare time, you know, chase after my kids. She's being humble. She's like a professional marathon runner or something like that. No, professional's not. I'm still very much an amateur, but I do enjoy running and I don't stink at it. We'll say that. (laughs) So I don't know. Is there anything else you want to know? That's just the basics. And the conversation that we're going to have today has kind of stemmed from just conversations we have had at various times when we gather as a family and you know, dad has very strong opinions and points of view on this subject, and you do as well. And so we had sort of a conversation, but I wanted to record the points of view separately, and then the one about spirit birth, just so that everyone kind of understood the history and background, and then we got where dad is coming from. And now I wanted to talk to you about what your thoughts are on this subject. So like we talked about, either respond to what you heard dad say, or just start out What is something that interests you about the subject of Mother in Heaven to want to be able to talk about it today, I guess? I am a mother, and I'm a woman. And as such, I've felt somewhat overshadowed and undervalued in the patriarchal order of the church. I also feel very strongly that there is a Mother in Heaven, and I'm not obviously as well-read as dad, or maybe even you, but I feel like there's a mother in heaven. And I feel like our church leadership has come around a little bit. I mean, they still don't say much about a mother in heaven, but we have, you know, the Oh My Father poem that was later made into a hymn and accounts of women saying that they had talked to church leaders who also say that there's a mother in heaven. Various church leaders throughout have believed that there is, some have not. But like, oh, my father says, it just makes sense. And even in some of our religious ceremonies, it says that our world is patterned after 
other worlds. And I think after our eternal world and that the family is central to that pattern. And if that is the truth, then you have to have a mother and a father. And then we have, you know, the proclamation that says that we are literal sons and daughters of heavenly parents. I mean, you can't have just a father with parents. And then more recently, I mean, as far as three weeks ago, we have the change to the young women's theme that says that we are daughters of heavenly parents. So, I mean, I've listened to dad's take on it and I understand where he's coming from. But my point is that all scripture that we have is interpretations of men. So I don't understand why the interpretations of men now are false just because the interpretations of men throughout history have been different. And there has been mention of Heavenly Mother or a female deity, I would say, but it's been translated out of several of the ancient texts, having gone through several patriarchal societies, in my view. And as a woman trying to understand my place in eternity, where there's a male, you know, I mean, we believe that gender is eternal and there's a male God and his son and the Holy Ghost all have a male persona. I mean, we know God and and Christ are male. The Holy Ghost is a little less queer, but I just feel that there is feminine. I feel like there is a mother. I wonder what your thoughts were on, if you listen to the podcast we did about spirit birth. And at least from what I can tell, from, I don't know if this is a real term, but we'll call it an evidential fact in that all the evidence that we have points to Joseph Smith not actually having a conception, a teaching, or basically he taught the opposite of what we now term spirit birth meaning that the spirit came into existence or was organized at a certain time and and then therefore we can deduce you know obviously a birthing process or a motherly literal coupling of deity to create some sort of spiritual children was not part of his teachings so i guess i'm curious from the outside of that i i had a, a mountain i felt like of citations and evidence showing that that was the case. Did you feel that that was adequately presented or does that still leave you with some sort of doubts on that particular subject? I think you're right. I mean, I believe that Joseph Smith was pretty clear that he didn't believe that, but Joseph Smith, A, everything that came out of his mouth wasn't doctrine and B, he wasn't right about everything. And we have prophets after him that did teach spirit birth. Now, as far as spirit birth goes, I don't know. I don't know how it works. I don't know if there was a mother in heaven that literally gave birth to spirits, or if she just assisted God in bringing intelligences to a spiritual awakening. I don't know how it worked, but I believe that it was a co-creative process. Anyway, at least my takeaway from that and see what you think about this idea. Something I want to see if we can work out together, or if there is a way, but at least in my view, it's fairly clear that if Joseph Smith didn't teach that spirits or intelligences had a beginning, and that in fact, you know, spirits always existed for eternity, you know, we may have changed in, you know, our level of understanding or experiences obviously change things. I mean, obviously, some anything that we talk about 
being eternal is kind of a hard thing to grasp because our minds don't really understand that concept very well. But if that were the case, then the main issue that comes up for me as far as a mother in heaven is, is that most of the way that we arrive at a mother in heaven is this logical deduction saying, well, Heavenly Father, if he's literally our Father, and our spirits were somehow created by him, or a spirit body was organized that later had an intelligence come into it, but if that's not the case, then it does not give us the grounds for this logical leap to understanding to saying that there is a Heavenly Mother. Because the logical is like, you know, if there's a father, then clearly there has to be a mother because that's how it works on the earth. Whereas I think what dad's point was that it appears that Joseph Smith had more of a concept of we were all always existing and that I guess one day, basically to sum it up, there was, I don't know, I, I kind of understand it this way. It was mostly from the King Follett discourse. If you've studied that, Joseph Smith articulated this position that basically God is this intelligence and he's greater than all of us. And we noticed him, and we were kind of drawn to him and his light. And so we also, being eternally existing entities, wanted to be like him, and he wanted us to be like him. Therefore, he created a plan so that we could do that, and he brought us together. And that's kind of, at least from my readings of Joseph Smith, how he kind of pictured our relationship with God. It wasn't one of literal fatherhood, but one more of basically seeing someone that we wanted to be like, maybe like a revered leader or something like that, or like how a, someone that wants to study something will say, like, you know, maybe an artist, and they're like, I want to become a great master artist. And so you go study a, under a master, and they teach you all their ways, and then eventually you can become like them. He, he seemed to picture it a little more like that rather than, you know, where we turned into later with the actual birthing. And that's why some of my case in the Mother in Heaven thing was from the Pratt's Orson Pratt specifically had like this really literal understanding of scripture. He didn't like to think anything was ever a metaphor. Everything was 100% literal. And so he kind of went to town on that and was like, well, obviously, if he's a father, that has to be exactly the way that a father is here. But again, Joseph Smith didn't seem to teach that. And the thing that I think dad does have a very strong point is that though, yes, obviously, it's taught by our leaders today. It's been taught by pretty much every leader other than Joseph Smith since his death, even, you know, a few months after that. So obviously that belief got there somehow. That's not something he's answered really well. It's like, well, do you think these people that were faithful to Joseph Smith just kind of pulled this out of nowhere and started teaching it? Because obviously they thought they were being faithful to Joseph Smith, but. Well, I mean, are other prophets not also subject to revelation? That's where Dad's point comes in. It's like, well, there's a difference between revelation and then just promulgating a belief that you were taught as a child and then stating that how true it is. You know, they don't, they don't come and say, last night I had a beautiful revelation where I had the heavens opened up to me in a vision and I saw Heavenly Mother and Heavenly Father and they're like, hey, guess what, prophet? You know the way that the spirits were created? It was through spirit birth. Like, that hasn't happened. What has happened is there's been teachings and those teachings have been passed on from generation to generation. And I know that a lot of people like to assume that like the apostles go and talk to Jesus every day, but I, mean, I guess that's possible, but it doesn't seem to be that way for me. It seems like they're trying to hint that they get revelation much in the same way that we would, and that's like pretty much a nice feeling or maybe thoughts or impressions. But at least Dad's definition of what he would be considered a doctrinal revealing revelation is not something that whenever Heavenly Mother has been spoken of, it's not something that technically is that level of revelation, I guess you could say. Well, I mean, I don't know how to answer exactly to that, but my thoughts are 
why then do we address our God as our father? At what point did he become a father to us? Why don't we address him as great one or God or mentor? I mean, if the King Follett discourse, as you're talking about, at what point did he become not just another, you know, a greater intelligence or great, greater spirit being than the rest of us and become a father to us? I mean, I just don't understand why we would address our deity as our father. If he was our deity, we could address him as God. I mean, many religions do that. But we believe that he's our father, and we have several documents that call him our literal father. Now, how he's a literal father, I don't know how that works in the heavens. I mean, we know how that frame into a greater knowledge as a spirit. Well, and that's kind of where my question lies. So what I'm kind of getting at is that if it's not a literal birth, then it doesn't have to be so literal as in it requires a little piece of it doesn't seem to logically require a mother, if you will. Like, it doesn't mean that a female couldn't be there. It's just not a logical requirement. And the main issue is that most of our understandings of how we arrive at that we have a heavenly mother are based on that logical solution to, well, if we have a father, then it's the next logical step. Or if it's a literal father and we have literal birth, and it's a logical step that we have a literal mother. But if there's not that, then can we still somehow have this idea of a heavenly mother that's not reliant on that so much? Because at least for me, you know, like I understand what I've been taught, but I do understand also that just because it's taught doesn't mean that those beliefs are necessarily based on something solid. And that's kind of dad's point. It's like, well, all these these beliefs, he calls it a cultural overbelief. I don't know exactly what he means by that, but I think he's getting it basically that obviously there's a lot of assumptions that have been made. A lot of people bring these teachings, but they haven't examined like where their teachings actually originated from. My main question is, in your mind, is there any way to understand Heavenly Mother if there's not a literal spirit birth without, or, or, you know, some logical necessity of having to have a piece of the feminine in... I'm fairly convinced that, at least as far as Joseph Smith was teaching, there's not a time when spirits were brought forth from something else. You know, I don't think God necessarily did something to us. I think it more is like we were attracted to this being as a leader, and then we joined with him. And at that point, we became his children metaphorically, but not like reality. And this is, and like you mentioned, most Christians, they read in the Bible because it says God is our Father in the, in the Old and New Testament, and they don't understand it as a literal understanding. And in fact, Christ in the New Testament is said to be our Father also by adoption. Like it's the moment when we basically, when we accept Christ, then we're adopted and we're said to be, you know, sons of Christ now and that he becomes our father. And so I think most Christians outside of Mormonism tend to see that relationship that way. It would make sense since Joseph Smith came from a worldview before the current view of Mormonism that he would have seen it more in a, that same way as the, everyone else in the entire world was seeing it. They can see Heavenly Father, God is our father, but still be like, you know, that in a metaphorical sense, not necessarily like literally, it's just because we are, we are his in that we follow him type thing. I don't know. But I'm not trying to like demean this. I'm just trying to say, is, is there a path to Heavenly Mother without having to have this dependence on this logical leap of saying, well, if there's a literally a, a birth and there's literally a father, then there literally has to be a mother. I guess I would argue that if we believe what we say we believe and that 
our world here is patterned after the world we came from. And, you know, the eternal unit is families with a father and a mother. Then again, like it would stand to reason that God is our father and there is also a mother and children. I don't know how you can get to that without saying that she was somehow part of our creation. Because, again, we are literal sons and daughters of heavenly parents. That's straight from the proclamation. You know, like, what does that mean? We are literal. Again, I don't know if that is a literal birthing, if that is a literal she helped create or awaken spirit beings. I don't know how it works. Basing it on ancient text and present text, I mean, that is all men. I mean, I don't know how else to say it lightly. Like, these are all revelations given to men. Do we have any scripture written by women? No. Has it been, I mean, was there? Possibly. Has it been eradicated? Has it been taken out of this current text that we have after going through several, you know, millennia? I mean, that's an exaggeration, but lots of patriarchal societies. I don't know, but I do know that. I believe that women are just as capable as receiving revelation as men. I believe that their revelation should be held just as, you know, important as men's revelation, yet we don't have any of that. So again, like I can see if we're basing everything we know on scripture alone, we have very little about a heavenly mother. Does that mean that nothing has ever existed about a heavenly mother? I don't believe that. Has anybody seen a Heavenly Mother? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. We don't have that, right? I mean, I can say I have friends and people that I know that have had very strong personal revelations feeling that there's a Heavenly Mother, not as a prophet, obviously, not as core doctrine, but just as a woman who is seeking to understand her place in an eternity that seems like it's only exalts men, which I mean, we as a religion don't believe that yet. We don't see any exalted female beings. I asked that question to dad and he, you know, did put forth the point is like, well, I mean, we don't really know what it means to be an exalted man either. You know, that's very ambiguous. Like, what does that even mean to be whatever? I mean, we don't know enough about God to really know what our place is either. And so he said that was, at least in his words, a bad argument. We have record of, say, Joseph Smith seeing the father and the son together. So both male figures, we have other prophets in the Old and New Testament only having seen a father or the son. Like there's no female being of deity that comes. And again, like, is that because there isn't one that exists? And as a, as a woman, that, that's an uncomfortable place for me. And I know that's not argument enough to say that there's a heavenly mother. I listen to the podcast. I get dad's point of view. Like that's not a good enough. And this like heavenly father could never understand me. I mean, those are not the arguments that I want to make as much as just the, to me, the modern day revelation, whether there was ancient revelation as well, is very strongly suggesting that there's a heavenly mother. Yet we have very little on her and I don't know if that's because it never existed or if it's because it has been taken out of text because, again, of the patriarchal order. 
let me ask you where you're like, I just want to understand, like, so you've mentioned a lot about at some point, like there was a heavenly mother in scripture and you're saying that people took it out or something or what's your evidence for that? Just the Asherah. I mean, talking about Asherah, I mean, it was a female deity, maybe misrepresented, but you know, we don't hear anything about that. Well, yeah, yeah, we talked about that. So like, and I agree, like there was obviously we're talking super ancient, even earlier than like the earliest Hebrew beginnings. There's a, the, what they're Canaanites. And they also, it was called the Ugarits. It was like the two people that came together to form Israel eventually. And there's like evidence in graffiti that, yeah, there's the head, their God, Jehovah. And then he had his, what they call a consort, Asherah. And like you say, and I said this to Dad, and I think he sort of agreed, but he has a fear of the feminist agenda or something like that, I, I feel. And so he didn't quite listen all the way. But I was saying to him that, you know, obviously what happened was there was this, I don't know if you call it like a revolution or a movement that was made to move towards strict monotheism. Whereas before that, the people had an understanding of like a council of gods and they understood that there were other gods and things like that. And then they had Asherah, who was understood to be God's wife or consort. And then they're like, nope, that's all bad. And so, you know, then went back and like, anytime you mention people worshiping Asherah, instead of saying, hey, this was totally normal, like 50 years ago, like, yes, and then they're worshiping this evil demoness Asherah. So yes, I agree with you that obviously, as I told dad, the victors write the history books. And so it's always going to be a little bit skewed because they're gonna be like, yeah, we're the greatest and everyone else is terrible. And our points of view were the best and yours are bad. And so Yes, I agree that perhaps it's been patriarchal for most of human existence in most societies. I mean, just based on male strength and dominance in a physical sense, like men are always going to win those wars. They're always going to have the advantage when it comes to just sheer power over women. And so, again, like, I don't know. I don't know what revelations may have been out there that didn't make it into any scripture into anything that we don't have. Yeah, and that's fair. And my one hold back on that is that it's as far as like logic goes, it's, you know, you could argue that for anything. You could say like, well, how do we know there wasn't a, a banana deity? I'm like, well, we don't have any revelations on it, so maybe someone took it out. But you don't have modern day prophets alluding to a banana deity. Right, right. Let's, let's say you found some cult and they believed in a banana deity. And they're like, God has always taught about a banana deity. It's been hidden from you. There's very subtle hints here and there in the scriptures. But you, you know, obviously no one besides us is going to read it that way. But perhaps it was taken out over time by people that wanted to suppress the idea of a banana deity or, you know, the human deity people. Like, it's the same argument. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, if there was a clear agenda, there has been suppression of women for years. There hasn't been suppression of bananas. I'm just saying the argument to say that something could exist because anyway, I don't want to argue about that. I just wanted to say that's my one hold back to that yeah, point I mean, of view. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's conjecture. There's not evidence. That's the whole problem. That's the whole issue there is there really is no evidence. And why? I don't know. Yeah. And to I want to shift the conversation. But before I do, I just wanted to say that. So as, as far as I'm understanding from dad, And I mean, I agree with him as far as this goes, that his main concern is that any discussion or teaching about Heavenly Mother is going to have to be pure speculation and based on nothing, because the problem is we have nothing. And as he pointed out, the foundations for our belief in Heavenly Mother are shaky at best, because Joseph Smith never really taught about the spirit birth, which is where we kind of get that from. So I don't think he's saying there is no Heavenly Mother. 
He's just saying that we have no meaningful data other than this hint that maybe this being exists. Other than that, we have no idea about what her role is, what her meaning is, or what anything, you know, other than what people have speculated. And so that could lead to dangerous beliefs. I guess another issue I have is that where it says that we are created in the image of God. I mean, clearly, I don't have certain body parts that he has. And so how, you know, I mean, I get that generally I'm human, but like you have all the same body parts as a male God. I do not. I have different body parts. So if I'm created in the image of God, does that God include a female? Right. And so that's, again, that's a very literal reading of what it means to be created in the image of God. And, you know, that's what Mormons have taught. But again, most Christians don't believe that God has a body and they still read that scripture and they're like, yeah, totally, we're in the image of God. And they, they see it more as like in his, his character or, or attributes or something. And obviously that's too far abstract for like what Mormons believe. But I mean, it could mean, I don't know, that it's just again, relying on a super literal interpretation of God being our father. And it's like, we're created in his image. Like, does that mean like literally like his visual image or anyway, let's shift the conversation though, because I wanted to kind of end that section with that. I was like, well, there's a lot of ambiguity. And that always hints at this. And I don't know if you picked it up because he didn't do it directly in like logical order when I was talking to him. But in a lot of other things I've listened to that have been recorded of him talking on the subject, he typically alludes to some experiences or personal revelation that he's had. And then he says that he can't talk about it more. Yes, I've picked up on that. <laughs> without saying it, saying he believes in a heavenly mother, but he can't talk about it. And it's not the way that everyone else believes in a heavenly mother. So that's kind of what I get from what he's saying. And I don't want to like, like, I get it. I mean, I get what you're saying. And when he talks about it to him, obviously, it was a sacred experience that he doesn't feel that he can just flippantly discuss. But I wanted to shift our conversation kind of to, and I don't know, Mike, we might stray into the territory of, like I said, of it being more literal which might be fine, but I'm just kind of wondering, like, you as a female, like, either what need do you have or what do you feel your need or this pull to a divine feminine or a, a female version of the ultimate? What does that give you as a person? This is more abstract and not trying, you don't have to, like, try to prove your belief anymore. I just want to kind of talk about right. the feelings now. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say that I'm trying to create a female deity as much as I just feel that there is a female deity, that I believe that we are literal sons and daughters of heavenly parents. And I feel that when I'm praying to my heavenly father, that there is a mother's point of view. We know that males and females are, you know, we believe that gender is eternal and females have certain attributes and males have certain attributes. I mean, that's stereotypically, but it's strong enough that we understand the female to be more nurturing and the father to be more providing, more physical. And I mean, I don't know exactly how to state it, but we have just different things that we're good at. So I feel that when I'm praying to my heavenly father, there is a consultation. And I would have to believe that as a mother, that I'm getting that kind of divine guidance. Like, how do I use my divine feminine? to reach my children, to use those attributes, those God-given attributes as a female 
to raise my children and guide them in their troubles and their day-to-day lives. And also I feel like if, I mean, I just feel like we're patterned after a father, like nothing has helped me understand a parent's love for children than being a parent myself. But being a parent myself, I see the need for a mother and a father to rear children because they need both the masculine and the feminine. And I know dad argues that God can be both. And maybe God is plural in that there is the mother. And our more recent text would suggest that. And whether, you know, it's an overbelief or what, I'd, I'd say at this point, it's kind of a core belief of our church that there is a divine feminine. It's kind of like what, like, you know, a lot of people are proud of that, that we have this, and it would be devastating to lose something like that. But I, you know, I also understand their hesitation and I actually do appreciate that they don't reveal more unless they actually have a revelation, because I think speculation, again, can be somewhat harmful and that some people will believe it and then bank a lot of things on that. And then if something changes later based on an actual revelation, then it's like, well, what was all this stuff then? You know, though I know it's painful and it's like, hey, what's the deal? Like, just tell us more about this. It's supposed to be a church led by revelation. So like, why don't you tell us? It seems like this could be quite useful, but at the same time, you know, I'm not going to dictate to God. But I think more in the realm of what we're allowed to do too. And I've heard a, a different podcast about this from women, they're having a panel about this. It's like, you know, it seems like this feminine divine or heavenly mother, rather than, you know, being revealed through scripture, she doesn't reveal herself that way to us. It's not through, you know, reading a scripture or the dealings with the past humanity or something like that, but it's more of a direct way to the children rather than, you know, through a, and, and it would have to be now, and rather than through like the hierarchy of a prophet, it's directly to her children, her her daughters and, and sons and such. And so dad would admit as well that the strongest arguments are going to be those of personal revelation. And I think he admits that he's had some sort of experience with, I mean, I can't, I have to guess because he won't tell me, but something motherly that's godly. And obviously we could, we make up stuff. Anything that we think about God in our head is probably inadequate because, you know, we can't comprehend something. And when we can't comprehend it, then to think we can is funny. But, you know, I've thought of feeling the peace and comfort from God. And a lot of times, and maybe it's just because I'm, you know, relating it to my own mother, but like, it's similar feelings that I feel from like just childhood being cradled by my own mother, you know, that's usually at least for me personally, where I feel like the peaceful feelings. And I feel like they're, it's a very feminine feeling. So whether that's an actual mother in heaven or something, but there's obviously something there. And I, I think you mentioned this in our conversations too. Like some people hypothesize that the comforter or perhaps the, you know, I mean, there, we have teachings that say the Holy Ghost is a man specifically from Joseph Smith, but at the same time, you know, maybe some aspect of the spirit that people feel is more of this feminine divine. I don't know. Do you have, I mean, you don't have to share if you, if they're too personal, but like, do you have any experiences when you felt the love of God, but you felt more specifically like this was a motherly type love? The birth of my first child I mean, I don't know how to explain that feeling that came over me, just this overwhelming love. And not that that couldn't be God, but it also felt like you were saying like that comfort of that mother. I mean, it was the most exciting yet scariest moment of my life when somebody hands me this human being that just came out of me and I'm responsible for this life. 
And I was so scared, but I also had that overwhelming love that everything was going to be okay. Like I could know how to nurture this child. And as you know, I've, I've had my children grow up and I'm dealing with teenagers and I've had that same experience as I've prayed and just know that my feminine qualities are what that specific child needs. And that I feel the direction of a mother. I mean, I don't know how else to describe it and not again. I mean, maybe it's the Holy ghost and maybe Joseph Smith's all of his, I mean, we know that everything that he did wasn't correct. I think he was the first to admit that, right? Like he wasn't right about everything and everything we have is just our interpretation, right? I mean, he never saw a Holy ghost. So, I mean, I don't know. Again, like this is all just, I I don't know, but I do very strongly believe that there is a mother that comforts me in those times that I need that kind of comfort. Like my own mother, when I am feeling sad, I mean, not that I don't want to call my father, but (laughs) I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, no, I do. Yeah, there's a, it's, a, yeah. it's a different aspect of what our needs are. It's like a, a different point of view. And like you said, it's, and I, I tried to explain this to Dan, I didn't do it very well. But like, I think that the essence of, you know, feminine, like, it's more than just a biological difference. I'm sure some scientists would argue that like, you know, it's all based on our body. And obviously, there's some environmental factors or psychological things that you learn as far as like gender roles go and all that. And, and you know, men can be comforting too, and women can be aggressive and what we typically call masculine. But by and large, I don't know, just in my mind, at least, there is something distinctive about feminine and, and masculine. And like, and in thinking that, I'm thinking, well, then if there is that aspect in this universe, then I don't have a big problem making a logical leap to say that if God is the highest understanding of, or the highest manifestation of intelligence, and he is a he, and it, there's a masculine aspect of that, then the ultimate embodiment or, you know, whatever you want to call it of femininity. I don't know if it's like a literal, you know, as literal mother as in like it birthed people or something, but it's the ultimate realization of what femininity means. And, you know, it's more kind of an idea, but I don't have too hard of a time imagining a feminine in its, in a divine form, you know? No, I mean, I get it. If we believe what we believe that gender, which I mean, that's what I believe, that gender never changes, right? Like, God... Well, again, that who knows what that means, but yes. Yeah, but I mean, he's been male his whole existence. There is feminine energy. I mean, I don't know what kind of... Like, what word? I don't want to sound like too woo-woo out there, but... Like, no, that's what I'd call it, you know? Yeah, there's definite feminine energy within that greater goodness that we believe in. And if we believe that God is male, he is not going to also have female, then he would be two genders. Yeah? No, I mean, makes sense. But let's do this then. So I don't know exactly what a good closing question is, but just any other thoughts you have on what it means to you? I mean, I guess what I would say is just that being part of a religion that recognizes at some level, even though it's a pretty low level, that there is an existence of a heavenly mother, whatever that looks like. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how that works. 
but we believe that we have prophets. And I know dad says that he just thinks they're wrong. But that aside, being part of a religion that believes that there is an existence of Heavenly Mother means everything to me. It gives me a place in eternity. It gives me something to work for where I get to be exalted with my husband and we will be exalted together where it's not just all male, which is what we've been presented with throughout history of religion, really. I mean, there's very few religions that acknowledge a female deity existence in any form. So, yeah, I mean, I guess in conclusion, that's that's kind of where I've arrived at. And so I think, and again, I, I think I kind of like this, that they are cautious about saying things if they're not sure, at least the leaders of the church. But where we're lucky and kind of what they urge is that we can get personal revelation. And so I would say for those feeling these feelings of, you know, we don't know much about a Heavenly Mother and we don't have any guidance, we don't know what that means, that's true. And I don't know if you should expect to get it from church leaders, but along with the push of what they're doing for this more at-home church and what Joseph Smith was ultimately teaching and what Jesus was ultimately teaching was that go to the source itself, you know, we're supposed to get our own personal revelation about these things. And, you know, I'm not going to lie in saying that might actually lead to some people making up some stuff and then believing it. But if that's the case, then I'm, I'm sorry, our, our church is founded strongly on the concept of personal revelation that the heavens are not closed and that we don't have to only listen to what prophets say. They're in charge of revealing things to the entire church that pertains to everybody. But we have personal relationship with our Heavenly Father. And if there is a Heavenly Mother, which again, we teach that there is, then we can have a personal relationship with her too. And you don't have to pray to her per se, I guess. But I see no problem why you can't pray to Heavenly Parents at the same time, you know? Well, and I would argue that when you're praying to Heavenly Father, to our God, that includes her. Right. I mean, it's the way I picture it. It's kind of like whoever's listening up there, whatever it is, what are you? I don't exactly know, but whatever you are, I'm talking to you. And so, you know, you can picture whatever you want, but I, you know, I've always pictured, you know, I, I talked about this and I don't know if this is too obscure a reference these days, but a show about Superman called Lois and Clark, Clark would call his parents on the phone and he'd be talking to his dad and then his mom was on one of their other phones and he'd be talking to them at the same time and they'd both give their different points of view of counsel. And I always, I don't know, I just took that into my mind as kind of what praying is like, where you're talking to your God or gods, you know, whatever, and, you know, they're both counseling together and they and they both love you and they both have different points of view and they want the best for you. And that's what you can get out of prayer, I think. Yeah, and I would agree with that. I mean, that's kind of how I've come to my personal relationship with God fills as well. Okay, well, is there anything else at all that you would like to say on this subject? I can't think of anything right now, but I'm sure that I will think of a thousand things as I'm trying to fall asleep tonight. Thank you for joining us. To support the podcast, donate at exploringmormonthought.com. Follow us on facebook.com forward slash exploringmormonthought.com.